You're listening to CAMS Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. Hi, my name is Nikki Scott and welcome back to um, part two of our episode where we're talking about different types of therapy that are available to young people at CAMS. Um, Shall we have some introductions? And this time, I'm not going to forget, we have with us today Ruby, who is our therapy dog. Can you hear the uh, tail wagging there? The collar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Shall we go around the table? Hi, I'm Lucy. I'm a service user. Hi, I'm Gemma, a trainee CBT therapist. Hi, I'm Dr. Charlotte Bolt, clinical psychologist. Hi, I'm Jay, I'm a service user. Hi, I'm Mark and I'm one of the uh, nurse therapists in the CAMS team. So last time we were talking all about CBT therapy um, and this time we're going to have a conversation about um, one of the newest members of the team. He's um, currently got his head in the bin, at her oh, head in the bin rather. Ruby! <laughs> um, so Charlotte, do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. what Ruby's role is at CAMS? Ruby's role, well I, definitely people prefer to come to see her than me so <laughs> I, th- I think that's one, one thing about engagement, I think um, maybe she helps with that people motivated to come to sessions um yeah so um as a clinical psychologist i kind of draw upon different models so cbt being one of them and i think what we started to talk about a bit was about dbt and how there's what we call third wave um cbt types of therapy and dbt is one of them um another one is cft um they've all got three letters uh, which is compassion focused therapy which is something um i use quite a lot um which is basically working on it's it's thinking a lot about neuroscience um and how we respond to um perceived threatening situations but also how we can be more compassionate to ourselves um and how to receive compassion from others um and it's yeah looking at different um what we call emotional systems so our threat system which is our kind of fight flight um our drive system which is our want to kind of um be ambitious and achieve things and our soothing system and the idea being when they're out of balance that's when we have more difficulties so quite often we we don't know how to self-soothe and i suppose that was one of the many initial thoughts i had about how can we help activate this soothing system particularly in therapy when it's a very anxiety provoking situation coming in meeting a stranger sitting face to face and expecting to talk about very difficult things um and that's where i thought about integrating uh, dogs into psychological therapy um initially the idea was way back when uh when i had a different dog um going into oap homes and seeing how people opened up and responded to them um people that wouldn't talk normally like actually opening up and the difference that it made to um the environment really and encouraging people to to open up so i did a bit of research in my um doctorate research and that was one of the main things that came out was about the dogs helping 
with that therapeutic atmosphere and helping people talk and managed to get Ruby to be another member of staff at CAMS now, which is great. Um, and through working with these lovely service users um, who've been so helpful, um, we did a focus group, um, which we can talk more about hopefully, um, to get their ideas really on how they think or how they expect a dog might impact on therapy. Um, and using the themes that came up from that, as well as um, the research that I've done, I've put together bit of a, a very rough outcome measure which so I'm sort of monitoring outcomes of the work that I'm doing with Ruby now. Because I know from my work with young people one of the conversations that we often have is is about your pets isn't it? Yeah. Your, your concept I think I don't think there's anybody in our group actually that hasn't got an animal and they're really therapeutic aren't they? Um, Lucy you've got a cat haven't you? I do. <laughs> I'm one of the only people without dogs, but I have my three-legged cat, baby. Oh, <laughs> and the cat's called Alice. Alice. And yeah. how does Alice help with your? Um, I think they're just so simplistic, and they can get away with a lot of things that humans can't. They don't. Whether you're happy or you're sad, they will still come up and like lick your feet or something. <laughs> and it's just <laughs> sometimes that's all you need. <laughs> And Jay, I know your dog's been really helpful. Yeah, I, we got a dog uh, about a year ago now, um, and it's definitely helped me through the last year, which has been incredible, how much a small animal can impact on a family. Mm. And you specifically got Molly, really, didn't you, to help with your sort of emotional... Yeah, we, we'd we always wanted a dog like everyone in the family had, but um, one of the main reasons was as a way to help me manage my mental health um and it's been really helpful she's crazy and she's like naughty and I spend a lot of time mm. yelling at her but when she's not climbing over the sofas and barking at squirrels <laughs> she's she's really helpful yeah <laughs> and I suppose it gives you something else to focus on as yeah. well yeah it's just something yourself. something to get up for in the morning as well so when um, Charlotte, we had a conversation, didn't we, about six, nine months ago, and mm-hmm. um, you were talking about, you know, I really want to introduce uh, Ruby to CAMS, and we decided to set up a focus group just to, I suppose, add a bit of weight to the argument, to get young people's thoughts about what they might feel about having a dog in the room when yeah. they're having their therapy. So... Can you remember that session, guys? Can you remember what the sorts of things that we brainstormed and discussed that day? Yeah, I remember we did like a chart of the what we think would be the most helpful things and what would be unhelpful about having a dog in the room. And we kind of like all inputted to that while obviously meeting Ruby and getting to know what she's like as a dog as well and how you think it would work with her in the room. Yeah, it was good. I like that we did actually consider possible cons of having a dog as well. It made it feel a little bit less like, yay, dog, <laughs> even though that's that's w- what it was. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Love your honesty, Lucy. That's great. Don't worry about the research. We just want the dog. <laughs> yeah. um, it actually was really interesting, the discussions that we got to have. It was really cool. Um, it got really in-depth, and we had like big old pieces of paper out everywhere, which was nice. It was cool. Can you remember any of the pros and cons we spoke about? Uh, <laughs> Putting you on the spot now. Yeah. I, I remember one of, the, one of the pros that was said about was about the, the tactile experience of being able to touch the dog. And um, 
activate that soothing system and and, and um, for it to also be when eye contact is quite difficult for it to be mm. um, sometimes distraction can be a, a negative thing but I think it was spoken in quite a positive way and that it can having a dog there can sort of help facilitate some of those conversations and make it feel less intense yeah, yeah I yeah. I've done art therapy in the past and I found something that was helpful with that was having something else to do while talking because it meant I didn't overthink everything I was saying um so I'd just say things and sometimes be like oh I shouldn't have said that but then in the end it'd be good because I've been open but just having something else to look at and something else to focus on lets you be less mindful of what you're saying so you are more honest mm-hmm. um and I think just like you said with eye contact it's rather than just looking around the room at like random things it gives you something a point of focus that's a bit easier to focus on or actually having to have that because eye contact's a really difficult thing for a lot of young Mm. people and adults actually isn't it it's really difficult because you feel like you know their eyes are boring through me they can see in my innermost thoughts but you can almost use ruby as a like that third person in the room you could Mm, talk through ruby or yeah people certainly do when when um it's it's hard to talk to me maybe sometimes actually talking to ruby um or sometimes um in more kind of i guess a, more of a psychodynamic type of therapy way of looking at it is that people might say oh ruby looks sad today or ruby looks and it might be that they're projecting their own emotions mm. um on ruby and so it's really important that i, I mean i'm still learning because I've, well, I've, been, I've been integrating her in therapy for about three years all in all but on and off and it's about using uh using her in that way to to um, facilitate reflections on um okay so what about her look sad and how are you feeling and you know trying to trying to help that um and I think like we've experienced today in just smiling and laughing sometimes it's the only time that I've seen some clients smile mm. is when she's been in the session um and I think there's maybe multiple reasons why that is. Um, but one of the things that I found in my research, at least, was that animals sometimes can inspire a bit of a less inhibited way of being. So, like, um, because they don't care, for example, she's currently cleaning right now. Like, they don't care about certain things. They're not so aware. We have all these social rules that can be quite intimidating mm. and the root of a lot of anxiety, particularly social anxiety. Um, and that they can just kind of bring a bit of, freedom of that into Mm. the room um yeah yeah I definitely had that when I was kind of experiencing the worst of my low mood with my cats in particular because I think because animals are so when you experience things with them it feels quite inconsequential a lot of the time sometimes I didn't want to laugh or didn't want to smile because I didn't want people to think I was okay when I wasn't or that I was lying to people or something like that Whereas you don't have to worry about that with an animal, you know. My cat would sprint across the room and she's only got one back leg, so she hooks to the left and it's it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's another bit of feedback that I've had is, um, you know, a lot of the core therapeutic skills is just offering a therapeutic space that's non-judgmental and that's mm. often what we say about animals because obviously they don't have the same cognitive capacity as us or they might do they might just not be they able to communicate <laughs> um but yeah they you know they 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 can't 
judge or make judgments mm. in the same way that humans yeah, do anyway yeah. and um and, and you can tell them anything can they will still look at you yeah, and wag their still tail love yeah. Yeah. they'll still yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and it's that unconditional positive yeah. regard um that i think they can also help bring into the room um i'd also be interested i have heard before that people say that it makes them view me a little bit differently um seeing mm. me be compassionate to ruby um and how that might form their opinion of me it'd be interesting to know what if you feel comfortable to say kind of what what you think about that idea I do see what you mean it's Mm. quite it brings realism in as well because you know a lot of the time you're in your square room with the plain walls and the same chairs it you know it gives a little bit of a touch into your personal life without it getting uncomfortably so I guess Mm. yeah the dogs kind of bring you together I always wonder how that feels um, for clients when so many questions are asked and um, obviously the nature of it, but then not knowing anything maybe about a therapist. Um, yeah, and whether whether having the dog in the room or, you know, like you say, it brings something at least of, of the yeah. therapist in. <laughs> we talk about this quite a lot, don't we? That, you know, it's really helpful for you generally when people share a little bit of themselves because Mm. you think okay well you've trusted me with that information not obviously really personal information but just you know allowing a bit of their own character or personality to come through because it is a big ask isn't it to expect you to come in with somebody you know a complete stranger and just open up and tell them that your innermost thoughts and feelings so anything that we can do to make that better or easier for you um it's funny you were saying about how how dogs you know change a person's attitude I don't have a dog but I often if you go out walking you'll see dog walkers are so friendly and you know they all say hello to each other because you talk through your dogs don't you um it's a bridge to communication it absolutely is because if you were walking through the middle of Bedford Town Centre or Luton Town Centre and you started to speaking to a complete stranger they probably would look at you a bit strangely and Mm. wonder what you know what's your motive in doing that but when you've got a dog with you it's completely different it gives you some common ground and I think particularly in um initial meetings with someone and establishing that therapeutic relationship which is key um it can it can provide that that consistency that one thing that you're both engaging with even if you're both stroking the dog at the same time it's that one thing sort of connecting you um when that's obviously you know very difficult in the early stages and despite whatever model of therapy we're using ultimately what a lot of the research says is the therapeutic relationship is key um and I think that's why I was so interested in you know different ways of working therapeutically and how to facilitate um strong therapeutic relationships and that was the the theory at least or the idea about integrating dogs which obviously isn't for everyone um yeah I think it's nice as well to have a different kind of relationship I know particularly for me I felt very trapped when I was most low um you know a lot of tedium just monotonous day-to-day doing things for the sake of it because you don't have any motivation to do anything different but you don't have any motivation to do the same thing just to have something new Mm -hmm. this can be so refreshing Mm -hmm. 
because we do have different relationships with animals than we do with other people and that doesn't mean they're any more or less strong they're just different exactly and and often that's just a tool in and of itself yeah yeah I was just thinking about what you were saying, Nikki, about you go out and you talk through your dogs. I, I think when I take mine out, unfortunately, I spend most of my time apologising. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Obviously, it depends he's, on the dog, Ben. He's, he's not the, the, the most well-behaved dog, I have to say. So that tends to be people's first impression of me, is I just, just kind of trying to catch him, apologise for his behaviour and get him back on the lead. So, Do people yeah. judge you by your dog? <laughs> Hopefully not. Oh. <laughs> do you know what, Nikki? I, I hadn't thought about that. Maybe they, maybe they do. Yeah, I do often find it incredible how she seems to. She does behave very differently in a good way at work compared to home. She she can be crazy. Even this morning, she was making someone laugh on the way to work. I always go via the park, and mm. she picked up this massive stick and made people laugh as she was going by. And I was like, oh, she's a liability. She's going to knock someone over. She's crazy. And then as soon as she comes in here, she's just calm and and she has had to. So she's registered with a charity called Therapy Dog Nationwide. So she's had like an assessment um, to, to show that she's got a certain level of obedience to be a therapy dog. Um, so, yeah, otherwise I wouldn't. So you can't just bring, we're not encouraging anyone to just bring any dog into work. And But how have, how have staff reacted then to having Ruby in the office? Generally, really positively. Um, I, I did sort of check with everyone first because obviously, yeah, I just want to make sure that everyone's okay with it. Um, but yeah, people are always like asking to come and see her or if I ever go down to reception, I'm printing something off. They're like, where's Ruby? And actually, someone new started the other day and they thought my name was Ruby because <laughs> Ruby was introduced before me. <laughs> so she's Aww. a key member of the team. Up, and she also got um, more secret Santa presents than me. <laughs> so I think that shows a positive response. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering which way the relationship is now. Is it is it Ruby is a therapist and you just happen to be I'm the, the co-therapist that, it yeah, feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's, that sounds like that's the way that it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just um, if if you can just explain how we go about ensuring that everybody's happy with, because you know mm. we've put quite rigid procedures in place, haven't we? I know. Mm. Haven't, do, yeah. Do don't all the letters that go out from us now say that? Yeah. So we amended the letters um, on the the footer to say that we now have a therapy dog that's in cams just to warn people, um, so it's not a sudden shock if they see her around the place. Mm-hmm. Um, and also on the rooms that I go into with her, we've put a little sign so that mm. people with allergies or at least the therapist with the, the clients can be aware. Um, and and then I've got a consent form that highlights things about washing hands and, you know, all those kind mm. of health and safety aspects. Mm. Um, I was going to say, actually, what, something that I've, I've noticed that, that there are obviously some some people and, and some of the staff um, can be a bit fearful of dogs. And and I think that's maybe been one of the kind of difficulties I've felt sometimes is like, oh, I hope, you know, everyone's OK with that. And um, I haven't had any kind of negative comments at all. But, um, but I think it's something t- um, that I've certainly reflected on since moving. So I used to live in Plymouth um, and to Bedford is that even just walking around the town centre sometimes, I can notice that more people, in my experience, are, are fearful of dogs. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which I find interesting. But um, I also think that's a way... I've worked with someone before um, who was slightly fearful, not like a phobia of dogs, but they were slightly fearful of dogs. And we worked on that alongside their other difficulties. And it was a great way of demonstrating kind of how you can work on anxiety. And it was actually using exposure um, with Ruby. So 
and then it's reflecting on like okay were you able to overcome your anxiety around that how can you extend that to these other areas and other goals um so we're talking about cbt in the part in the previous podcast and um so I've integrated her in exposure therapy and also in behavioural activations, like going out, taking her for a walk, getting outside. Um, another thing is eco-psychology, um, which is the importance of being around nature um, and, yeah, being outside. And there's lots of evidence um, that that can be really beneficial in getting out the therapy room. Um, and so she provides a great opportunity to be able to do that. Um and build her into exposure work as well around things outside and and bringing therapy to life i think i think there's definitely value in having that safe therapeutic space that room where mm. you can sh- almost mm. shut out the world and really use that space to reflect but also particularly sort of as you're going on in therapy the opportunity to take therapy outside the room mm. is really um helpful and that's something that i can do with her as well which is quite cool and I think what both what's come across to me particularly over the last couple of episodes is like Gemma and Charlotte your passion for um for your role and for wanting to make a difference and I think that's I think it's so important for people that are listening to this and people that you know maybe have a very set idea about what CAMS is and what we do and what's going to happen when they come here Mm you know to really listen to that and think oh okay it's not just your your bog standard sitting in a room it's you know that there's people there that really really care that Mm. really want to make a difference that are prepared you know it's all about we use the term um personalizing the therapy Mm. and it's it's thinking about what's right for that individual and yeah and using creative ways to engage people because I think one of the main things that I'm quite passionate about is is making therapy as accessible as possible and Mm. obviously when we're feeling really low we kind of we don't want to go out and coming to clinic in itself for an appointment is really hard and I think sometimes we can take that for granted um and that's again some of the ways that I've worked with Ruby is actually initially sort of going to someone's house and walking around the house and then gradually moving it closer and closer to to clinic as part of exposure therapy work um so it's being able to work in creative ways to to meet the needs of people which Mm. yeah is, is great that we're able to do that I think things are things are changing and I think a lot of people think that we only offer therapy in our clinics but that's not the case at all is it you know we've talked about we've got transition workers that do a lot of exposure work and you know um might meet our young people in cafes in the town or go for a walk around the park or and i think that's really important for people to understand because uh because i guess there are there maybe are some myths about cams and you sometimes hear young people's views about cams and say oh cams i I found cams was really great for me i liked it and other people have said no I i wouldn't like the idea of going to cams and so i think this this discussion here really highlights the fact that actually before you make a judgment maybe just try it maybe just kind of come along and talk to us about what some of your struggles are and have a think about the different range of treatment options that may be available because there may be some ways that uh, there may be some treatment models or there may be some ways of uh, accepting therapy or taking on therapy that may not be right for you but there may be other ways that 
that are right for you. And I think that's where it's about coming in, talking to us about about the things that you're struggling with and the ways in which you feel you can engage in treatment. And I think both of you have said that. It's, you know, CBT and also using Ruby as therapy. It's creative and there's always different options to get to the same goal. And I think that's that for me, that's the message that that, that you two have given us today and that, that I guess that we've all been talking about today is there's, there's lots and lots of different routes to get to the end result. Mm. And I think it's, would you agree, um, Lucy and Jay, it's about having the voice to say what works and what doesn't work for you, which, you know, is probably not going to come instantly, is it? But Um, Having a relationship with your therapist is so important, something that I've learned, because I've had a lot of different therapists, some of them lasting longer than others, and then, you know, over time, you have to have a certain amount of you know respect and trust you know you have to be best friends but you have to have certain consistent things that you can know about each other and that's really helpful because I remember when I first started um therapy uh CBT I really I was unsure I didn't think it was going to work um Mm. but then we both learned and now I feel much more secure in it so because it is about learning Mm. it isn't just going to happen straight away because they need time to get to know you and I think that's why with things like CBT, it is crucial to get to know you guys um, and to build that relationship. And that's why I say it's really collaborative and it's about teamwork. It's not just about us being experts because you guys are like the expert in you. And I think it's about yeah. coming together and sharing that knowledge. And the other thing that this conversation has made me realise is that I need to get a dog. Um, <laughs> I've, I've got one at home, but he cannot be a therapy dog. He's a bit like Mark's dog. A little bit naughty. Yeah, my dog needs therapy. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, mine does too. So maybe I ought to bring her in to meet you and Ruby. That might be good. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine bringing my dog in. <laughs> Jay, anything you want to add to the conversation about sort of those myths about cams and how hopefully we've you know do you think we've managed to dispel a few of those today yeah I think it's really important to give different therapies a try because personally my experience of therapy to start with the first few years was not positive at all and I in the end I was strong enough and said this isn't working for me I don't get on with this person and we got that changed and the past the progress I've made has been great since we've made a change um so I think it's really important to give things a go. I've tried various different therapies. Some haven't worked and some really have. So we've talked all about the benefits of having the lovely Ruby in <laughs> a session. Have you have you found any sort of opposition or what are the, what are the negatives? There's got mm. to be some, maybe. Yes, yeah. Um, I'd say a lot of... It's been quite interesting getting some of the feedbacks. Um, so... From like I said, from the focus group, I created a an outcome measure, um, and it's looking at things like I'm just lo- looking at it in front of me. Um, it's looking at things like um, how distracting is might she be in therapy. Some people have said it's like a positive distraction, like we said earlier, but also that it can just be a distraction. You know, if she's got her head in the bin like she did earlier, <laughs> um, or, or if she makes a smell, that's been quite distracting. Yeah. Um, but also, like we said, it it, it, it can also facilitate some laughter in the room so I always find it difficult to see it as purely a negative and from my experience it's been how as a therapist I use that 
Um, and so if I notice someone is using her as a distraction, I'm asking a question and they're like, oh, Ruby, <laughs> um, then I'll, you know, it's the th- I think it's the therapist's responsibility to notice that yeah. um, and yeah. and to work with what's going on in the room. Um, and I certainly don't have her for every client for every session and I set that expectation from the beginning that you know actually for her as well she needs a rest and you know I I have to be quite conscious of her well-being um so uh when I feel like we're not making much progress maybe because she is too much of a distraction then I won't have her in the next session or things like that or checking in with how people are finding it Mm. um and yeah her well-being is is that's a really big thing that I wanted to get across for anyone that's interested in working with mm. a dog in therapy as a therapist um, is obviously firstly getting registered with the charity um, but also I think making sure that her basic needs are met and it can be such a busy day sometimes um, that I have to you know I, I walk to work so I make sure I give her a walk in the morning I go out at lunch as for as long as I can but not that's still I need sort of 15 minutes or so um so then at the end of the day making sure she, she's got a really good run because a lot of emotion even for humans can be stored in our body and it's good it's important for both of us to so tonight we'll be going for a run um for both of us to shake it off um so it's part of her well-being and making sure that clients are aware that when she goes to her bed in sessions that that's when she's like left alone that's a safe place and we yeah. don't call her over and um so those are really important things and I think that's kind of more of a negative thing for me so when I've looked at the feedback from people generally they people have said that she hasn't been distracting whereas mm. I find her more distracting I think than clients do which is interesting and I think it's because I've got lots of things in my mind because obviously I'm focusing on the client what I'm asking yeah. what yeah. I'm going to ask next focusing on her mm. is she okay are they is their mm. interactions okay so I think actually maybe what I'm concluding at the moment is it's more distracting for me as a therapist than it is for for people for clients but right. yeah it'd be interesting to explore that a bit more so you've not really had any circumstances where somebody is using Ruby as a complete avoidance tactic so they're not you know I'm not going to speak what I'm going to do is I'm just going to completely you know I have done and I've commented on it and then we sort of went through it actually um so it's been quite helpful to notice that pattern maybe that Mm. oh this is difficult to talk Mm. about and you know yeah so she can facilitate that in some ways. So it's hard to see them as purely negatives, but there yeah. certainly are some some challenges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. It's been really great to chat with you all today. Thank you. Thank you. So that brings us to the end of our discussions about cognitive behavioural therapy and animal-assisted interventions. Firstly, I'd like to thank Dr. Charlotte Bolt and, not forgetting Ruby, uh, for talking about their work and for sharing their insights into animal-assisted therapy. And judging by today's conversations, maybe it should have been Ruby that I introduced first, but um, I'll leave that for you to decide. I'd also like to thank uh, Gemma Douthwaite, one of our trainee CBT therapists, for taking us through the principles of treatment during the last episode and for helping us to have a better understanding of how it works. Also, I'd like to thank Jay and Lucy, our service users, for giving up their time and for sharing their own personal experiences. They're both really becoming serious podcast veterans of this show. And finally, a big thank you to Nikki Scott for being our host and for keeping us all on task, which at times can be quite difficult. Now, if you want to know more about Earth Therapy Dogs or animal-assisted interventions, you can take a look at the website Therapy Dogs Nationwide And you'll find them over at www.tdn.org.uk. 
To find out more about CBT, there's lots of websites available. And so to help you, I've put some links on the show notes for this episode. Okay, so that's it for now. Uh, The next episode is going to be going out in approximately two weeks. Uh, So until then, take care of yourselves and we'll speak to you next time. You've been listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cams team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag camstalkpodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.